Under the Dome Radio, our full fan feedback discussion for Awakening Season 2, Episode 8, recorded August 21st, 2014. Fully awakened or not, we appreciate you joining us for another episode of Under the Dome Radio, the unofficial podcast for CBS TV's Under the Dome. It's by fans and for fans like you. This is our 39th episode. Show notes with links and things that we talk about will be found at underthedomeradio.com slash 39. And we would love to hear your feedback and share it on the next episode. Just visit underthedomeradio.com slash feedback. Now, Under the Dome Radio is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network, and we are sponsored by our affiliate links where you could pre-order season two of Under the Dome on Blu-ray and DVD, or just buy the Amazon instant video versions that they have as well. Just go to underthedomeradio.com slash Amazon for details. And me, I'm at Wayne Henderson, your voice acting, always podcasting, Green Bay Packers fan. And I'm wondering if you can recognize me behind these stylish shades I bought that are like secret Barbies. And I bought a pair of those too over at our Amazon affiliate link at underthedomeradio.com slash Amazon. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, wherever you're listening. I am at Troy Heinrichs. I'm really excited for the new CBS spinoff called Under the Truck, where contestants vie to hang from the bottom of a military truck for 14 clicks. That's 14 kilometers for you non-military type. And if they can beat Mike Vogel, then they win a magical glowing egg, a personal dome of their own, but most importantly, the coveted prize, a quarter of a million dollars. Wow. Now that sounds like one heck of a reality show. Is that also going to be on CBS? I would assume right after the amazing race on Sunday nights. Perfect. (laughs) Or technically Friday nights. I think amazing race moves to Friday nights in the uh, fall season this year. Interesting. Well, what are we going to talk about tonight, Troy? Well, of course, we'll have our breaking news segment go into a little bit of ratings news as we kind of match that series low in the key demo. And then of course we'll go on the air and talk about the Very interesting things happening in Awakening this week. Then, of course, on location where we chat with all of you, the fans. And then, of course, investigative reporting where we kind of get some spoilery stuff for what might be coming up later on this season. And then, of course, requests and dedications where we get our love on because you guys love us. We love you. We'll share all that stuff at the end of the show tonight. (laughs) We, We need Barney the Dinosaur to come on and sing that song about love. Uh, it'll be a beautiful thing. Uh, what's happening in the breaking news? Did we get uh, early ratings information? We did. So Dome this week was the winner at the 10 o'clock, 9 central hour, depending on how you slice it. It did beat mistresses, but of course that's not hard. And we did have a series low tie in the demo at a 155 share, but we did grow up in the live same day viewers. We're up to 7.3 million. So maybe people want to see how this Zenith stuff plays out. That could be. I mean, 7.3. Those are pretty good numbers. Yeah. For a summer show on a Monday night when there's nothing else to do. Why not? Yeah, I know. A lot of people are still out doing summer things, at least in the northern hemisphere. You know, going to the beach, going to Disneyland, Disney World, destinations, visiting people. So the fact they could pull a 7.3, I think that's very encouraging for a possible season three of Under the Dome. Speaking of the northern hemisphere, our friends up north in Canada actually sent in some ratings. Lawrence up there said that under the dome has fallen from its number one slot the first week of the season. Now it's sitting at about number three on the list of the most watched shows in Canada. And then of course, at the time of this recording, August 21st, the UK is really getting excited because series two will start on Monday, August 25th at 10 PM local time over there in the UK. I know Livingston UK has really excited on Twitter that he can finally watch this second season. Excellent. The more countries that add to Under the Dome, all the better. It's too bad they all can't be synced up and showing it at about the same time like they finally were able to do with uh, most countries and Doctor Who. But hey, whenever we can get folks to watch Under the Dome, it's a good thing. Why can't we just put these shows like in one service, like let's say Amazon, right? It's on Amazon. Just open the sucker up. Let people download it all over the world. So say we all. Well, let's talk a little bit about awakening this week, Wayne. And the first question I have for you is, did you actually watch the, it's been two weeks since the dome came down sequence at the beginning? Because it was different this week. 
I actually did. I paid close attention to it this time because uh, we did get a voicemail that you'll hear in the listener feedback section later that told me to watch out for it. So when I watched it a second time, I actually paid attention. Well, if you guys didn't pay attention, they changed it. And Barbie now says it's been a few weeks ago that the dome came down instead of two weeks. Now, some people subscribe to the concept that a couple is two and a few is three and some Mm -hmm. is four or more. Right. If we kind of keep with that concept of one day under the dome, then a few being three weeks or a few weeks would put us at 21 days, which puts us right on track. 13 episodes plus eight episodes is 21. Look at that for math on a podcast. You're beginning to scare me, Troy, but that makes perfect sense. But everybody's going to complain, right? Oh, the billboard said 17, 17 days last week. And so what I'm going to say is billboards are always out of date unless they're electronic. (laughs) Well, and I know on the previous episodes, I said, you know, maybe this magical town of Zenith changes the billboard billboards every day. But I'm going to go with you on this one. You know, they may change it like every week just to get ready for a drive time or twice a week. But uh, yeah, don't put too much faith in the billboard. I think we were mostly supposed to notice the Hounds of Diana stuff that was going on in that scene. Now, did you watch a show on sci-fi? It was called Helix this past winter. I watched one episode and it did not suck me in and I didn't need another show in my DVR repertoire. Did you see the whole series? I did. And they actually had a really great thing. So it also takes place under a dome. In this case, it's actually a science observatory in the Arctic Circle. And the big thing they did with this show is that every episode was a day. And so when they started out the episode, it had this very creepy day one, day two, you know, and I was thinking, wouldn't that be great if they just added that to under the dome? If they would just start out each episode, day 21, and have some kind of creepy music behind it, it would just set the tone for kind of what we're dealing with in Chester's Mill. Because then there was a really cool thing they did in Helix that I won't give away, but the final, 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 final sequence of the season did a little bit something different with that opening sequence. And it really adds to the show. So why can't they do that with Under the Dome is my question. I think that would be a great idea because personally, I don't, like the way they do the voiceover intro on the under the dome. And I can see we're just, you know, putting some up on something up on the screen, not necessarily telling us out loud. I I agree. That would add a little more mystery to the whole thing. So let's do that for season three of under the dome and just slap that up on the screen. Let us know how many days. And like you said, be sure to have creepy music behind it. Well, maybe Phil's gang or maybe somebody Hunter gets in touch with could actually climb up the water tower that's in the opening sequence and they can just write the day number as graffiti on the water tower. <laughs> that's true. Or even just the hash marks, you know, counting off the days just in case, you know, calendars stop working and they lose track of time. You know, big Jim in, in near the beginning of the episode, he's kind of rubbing on his Bible. And I'm wondering if you think he might be asking for forgiveness or is he just pondering why, why me? Why am I so important? But of course, Big Jim being who Big Jim is, he basically gives a giant middle finger to Duke with all those awards on the back wall. And then he kind of gives that snicker like, finally, I am now the sheriff. I've been waiting for this my whole life. (laughs) That doesn't seem like all that high of a position, especially since we've had three sheriffs already that we've seen. Well, and James even says that the position's a little beneath him, isn't it? Oh, that's right. Uh, James Don't Call Me Jr. did say that. and. I know that we're not going to get him back because dead is dead unless you come back as some sort of apparition. But I sure miss Duke Perkins. He was my favorite character in that first episode of Under the Dome. And I still remember him well. And maybe it's because of him being uh, Lupitas on Lost. But I miss that guy. Well, and most importantly, that was the whole thing with Maxine and Duke and Jim and this whole rapture drug. And we've completely dropped that entire storyline. Never happened. Yeah. Is it completely dead or is it going to come back? And after they get through this Actian energy stuff, I don't know. Never happened. Well, apparently Big Jim is excited that they might be making a Ghostbusters 3 because he comes up to Rebecca and thinks she's the key master. I mean, a key person there in Chester's Mill that deserves a walkie-talkie. Well, she's been in and out of Jim's graces many times already this season. And, you know, now that Big Jim is sheriff, I think if uh, Rebecca can be the key master or a a key person, then Big Jim is definitely the gatekeeper. 
I wonder what might be coming through those portals as we cross the streams next week under the dome. It's definitely going to be scary and dangerous for the first time this season, or actually for the entire run of under the dome, Julia kind of acts like a reporter, you know, with her, how do we know this message is really from Barbie? You know, the man she loves. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) But she does. She actually sits there and says, you know, there's nothing that proves or signage or a clue like it is later on when he signs it, you're stray to say that this is really Barbie. And of course she's grieving at the time. So of course she's not going to believe it. Yeah. And it's actually good advice. I mean, anytime you get an email, is this really from the person that is this really from my rich uncle in Nigeria? Is this really from my uh, Citibank bank card that wants me to log in to reset my password? Probably not. Yeah, definitely do not click on that link in your email because then Hunter will be having the ability to access your computer. Kid's a genius. So then we have Sam. Sam is excited to get the heck out of Dodge because he has nothing to do with Lyle or Pauline. And my first question that popped into my head was, okay, if he wants to leave so badly and start his life over, is that really him wanting to start his life over? Or... Does Sam have some ties to Acteon and he was really the inside man this entire time, the last 25 years. I could see that being a possibility because one thing is for sure. Sam Boudreaux is one of the most suspicious acting characters on the show this season. I mean, I don't know if it's just suspicious because he has a lot to hide or if it's tied to Acteon or if it's just because he wants to kill the four hands from the past, the four hands from the present. He there's something going on here. And of course, the fact that they had the actor that plays him be on the panel at Comic-Con, along with our favorites from season one, means that he's definitely an important character and probably going to be there the whole season. So We've been pretty positive so far this show. Now we have to make the switch. (laughs) I knew this was coming. Go for it. So really a camera at the exit point of Chester's Mill. Is anyone else really tired of them shamelessly stealing from Lost? <laughs> and this is just one of many uh, weekly comparisons to Lost. Yeah, I, you could just fall out of the sky and be wearing a parka. It, yeah, it was right on the money. Yeah, right on the money. <laughs> but at least Hunter's cool. I mean, this kid seems like he's actually interesting to watch and he's got some really cool toys. And they even have some really cool music as he watches Barbie from that camera from a creepy angle. But the first thing I thought of was, okay, this is feeling more like CBS all of a sudden. It's like a procedural. It's, you know, a guy who's kind of nerdy, but then another guy who's really kind of scruff and rough and tough buff. And I was like, oh, this sounds like person of interest. And then I was like, the nerdy guy is Michael Emerson. And then I was like, wait, Michael Emerson was Ben Linus. And there we are back at Lost again. Because Ben Linus has uh, landed in places where there's been an exit camera. Yeah. <laughs> Hunter, I don't know. I I mean, he seems like a nice guy and very uh, genuine, down to earth. But I still think that, you know, this guy could be one of the kingpins just because he runs the Hounds of Diana website in his spare time does not necessarily mean that we should put all of our trust in him just yet. Well, we know he has an internal thermostat problem because everybody in Zenith is wearing short sleeve shirts and skirts and shorts and Here comes Hunter strolling down the street wearing a sweater jacket and a knitted cap. Well, when you look up um, computer IT expert slash possible hacker, I mean, you have to wear a sweater jacket and knit cap, according to, you know, what I find online. Right. I mean, you got to fit the stereotype. Maybe it's because he's in those server rooms that kick off a lot of heat. And therefore, when he goes outside, it actually feels quite chilly to him. That's probably it. Now, You did kind of forewarn me ahead of time that you were going to do a little more math on the podcast. It always makes me nervous, but you did so well earlier. Uh, Fling some more math on us. Well, if you can, if you show it to me on screen or tell me on screen, then it must be important. So everybody was wondering, what's the tie between Barbie and Melanie? Because they're both from Zenith. And if you listen to Hunter rattle off against the brick wall, he actually stated that Barbie was born in 1979. This means that in 1988, he would be about 11 years old when Melanie moved to Zenith. And she seems to be somewhere in the 16 to 18 range because she might be like a junior or a senior when she gets over to Chester's Mill. So 
if we're playing along, then Barbie's mom got sick when Barbie returned from the army. So our thought that maybe Barbie's mom was also Melanie's mom and left kind of the opposite direction, right? Because we were talking about how the conversation that Don Barbara was having with Barbie was very similar to the one that Big Jim was having with Junior. And when she got sick, maybe Barbie's mom moved to, moved to Chester's Mill, which would make Barbie's mom Melanie's mom. But I think because of the ages between Melanie and Barbie now, I think that theory is out the door. Nothing would surprise me on Under the Dome if they still could try to tie it together in that fashion, because the way you described it does sound like something they would put uh, Don Barbara up to on this show. And I am looking forward to meeting Barbie's mom. I have a feeling within three episodes, they got to reveal her to us. Yeah, that's the one thing. Granted, he's playing it off because it's the picture on the desk and he's trying to buy time for Hunter to get out of the computer. But this is twice they've mentioned mom. So Mm -hmm. we have to see her at some point this season, I would think. Yeah, so keep your uh, DVRs programmed to record Under the Dome each week. Now, one thing that was kind of interesting because at first, I think they tried to play it off that for sure Pauline was a little nuts and she might have been a patient in this uh, hospital, just given the privilege of teaching art, which I'm still kind of confused with. But okay, I'll let that aside. But now, tell me if I'm wrong on this. It seems like Pauline actually might work at the hospital because I don't think a patient at any level would be able to get co-workers there at the hospital to jump and basically do some things that you ask them to do. Yeah, exactly. I mean, she's like, hey, someone's in trouble. And she like bolts right out of the office. The thing that was a little weird with that scene was the fact that Pauline picked up the key card to literally turn around and hand it to Sam. Couldn't a Sam just come in and picked up the key card off the desk himself? Well, between the key cards and the postcards, Pauline's got a thing going here. Well, let's talk about some great lines this evening. Junior had kind of the first one as they're having this conversation about Big Jim's always been a politician and is this job beneath you. Big Jim starts to say that if I only listened to you about the dome sooner, son, I maybe could have saved Angie. And Junior replies with, don't use her to sell me on this. So he's Mm -hmm. talking to his dad like he's like the salesman. And then the thing that was interesting in the sequence is that James is called son by Big Jim twice. And usually Big Jim is calling him junior. And so does this mean that either A, Big Jim really wants to get back together with his son, with his son, or does it mean that he's trying to sell him because he knows that if I call him junior, he's going to get pissed off. I'm going to go with the latter because he saw how severely James reacted when he called him junior just a a week or two ago, episode wise. So day or two ago under the dome. So I think he's always in selling mode, even when he doesn't necessarily do it on purpose. I just think it's his way. And just in case any of us forgot that big Jim originally was mostly a used car salesman. We saw that really creepy billboard. When I rewatched it, I really focused on the billboard at the scene where there was the fire. And I'm like, wow, does that make you want to go buy a car from this guy? No. Uh -uh. As far as noticing things, anyone else notice the kind of random propane tank that was in the alley when they found this neatly piled stack of windmill pieces when they rushed to the car fire? No, what a waste. We could use that propane here at Under the Dome Radio. And luckily, you know, we do have a great recycling and refueling program at the website. So just go to underthedomeradio.com and choose the propane tank size best that represents how you feel about this podcast and want to help us out. Because, you know, even if you find one on the side of the road, there's got to be a way they could recycle it and help out the show, right? Absolutely. I think it's a really great thing that they're trying to do in order to make sure that Under the Dome Radio comes out each and every week. So again, underthedomeradio.com, right-hand side, click on those propane takes and send in a donation to keep the station powered, at least through the finale. That would be very nice. We thank you in advance for your support and propane because... You know, any leftover propane, you can always fire at the grill and uh, cook some brats. Absolutely. Now, I'm not going to mention how a USB jump drive can actually unlock a password protected computer without first authorizing the drive (laughs) to mount itself onto the desktop. We're not going to get very technical here this evening, but I do want to touch on Dromos a little bit because as he said it again, and then it was the six asterisks, even though you think it was a password security feature, 
I still say Dromas was the six characters, D-R-O-M-A-S. I put it through the word scrambler that we used for, of course, Lost back in the day and didn't come up with anything that fit. So I just put Dromas in a Google search and I found out that Dromas straight up is actually a genus in the bird family most associated with the uh, D- Dromas, Dinos, and Drola, which in the English is basically a crab plover. Of course it is, Troy. It's a wading bird, <laughs> kind of like okay. a gull or a flamingo, and it's mm. the only member of the genus Dromas and is unique among the waders in that the fact that it actually makes use of ground warmth in order to aid in the incubation of its eggs. Uh-oh. Again with the eggs. They're not filled with the flu, right? No, definitely not filled with the flu, but I thought it was interesting. Dromas, birds, eggs. Kind of goes mm-hmm. back to that season one pilot episode with the opening of the bird coming out of the egg. I love that scene. You could be onto something. How'd you figure out how to spell Dromas? Because last on our initial reactions, we were talking about, is it M-O-S, M-A-S? It was such a strange word. Well, you kept saying La Pistola and all this other Dom Casa and Spanish stuff. So I figured Mas was at least M-A-S and Dro was pretty close. So I just put it in and came up with something. We're going to have to do a bilingual version of the podcast, but we might accidentally upset some people. So we're not going to. But that's a good catch because I think it all focuses on the egg part of it that you were talking about. That's my long, crazy theory this week for our friends in the land of the rising sun. (laughs) Love it. Oh, what else? Let's see. Now, there's this email. If you glance real quick on uh, Papa Barbie's uh, pewter there, say that 10 times fast, with kind of a reminder there saying, please do not dispose anything in the, and then we don't really get to see it. I'm sure that's supposed to be important, or is that just supposed to lend credence to the fact that uh, Don Barbara is the man in charge, and so he's got to have these types of reminders? Yeah, I mean, I saw that too. Luke Roy, I think, was his name, and he was from the maintenance department. So it's maintenance reminder. Do not dispose anything in the, you know, in the what? In the red door, in the side of the dome, in the, you know, river in the middle of Zenith, or maybe inside the obelisk. Or in the playground that's right by the uh, exit um, entrance point. Don't put stuff there. Well, I did do some freeze framing as the pictures were popping up on the screen as Hunter was hacking Papa Barbie's computer and the pictures that we saw were war, war, war. Oh my gosh. Were the uncovering of the mini dome, the snow globe throwing scene with Angie Duke meeting Maxine, Julia in the rain, Julia and Barbie on visitors day, the four hands walking to the dome, the truck crash, the magnetized door with a bicycle on it, Barbie at the magnet as everybody was passed out, the church with the missing bell tower, Alice and Carolyn getting gas, the outbreak at the hospital, and I think that was it. Okay, so I've got a quick question here. I mean, those were all great photographs, great memorable scenes from season one and two of Under the Dome, but I just have to ask, how on earth were they able to get all those different locations and angles caught on film? Or digital images. I said the same thing. Now, some of those angles like Barbie and Julia at, at Visitor's Day, I could see someone taking that picture from outside the dome with a long camera lens. Right. Julia in the rain. That one I don't buy so much. But everything else kind of had an over the head kind of shot to it. Right. The church, Barbie at the magnet, the, the snow globes and the Duke Perkins. And I think a lot of those, number one, came from the subsidiary of Acteon Energy that deals with satellite imagery. They did mention that and made sure that we noticed that that was one of their many other talents. But satellite imagery, I I got more of the impression that much like in that Jim Carrey movie, that there might be hidden cameras all over Chester's Mill knowing in advance that this was going to happen. Well, we know that the Duke Perkins and Maxine meeting was recorded from a security camera at the propane station last season when Linda found those tapes. So then it leads to the question, maybe Hunter hacked in when the signal was open for a while and was able to get into big Jim Rennie's camera network around town. Uh Aha. I'll go with that. I mean, he can hack into anything. So any camera on the planet earth in or outside of the dome is fair game for Hunter. Okay. So another great line of the evening getting a little bit more off the beaten path again, but this time the science teacher comes out and exclaims people in this town are losing it. 
<laughs> Her of all people said that. Yeah, really. I mean, look in a mirror lately, you genocide virus toning Darwin lover. Come on. Talk about people in this town losing it. Uh, Captain Obvious, anyone? Hello. Oh, man, the Captain Obvious stuff. They got us top with that, too. Um, now, we also learned from her because people were having a little tiff over what's a coincidence and what's not. So she clarified that two events are a coincidence. Three events makes a pattern. So two things. One, I thought of uh, Sheldon Lee Cooper on The Big Bang Theory, also on CBS, who reminded people that, uh, you know, a fork has four tines. But if you only have three tines, then it's a trident used for ruling the sea. But with that aside, we found out, you know, it makes you wonder when she's talking about a pattern, is there going to be maybe another 20 or 25 years down the road, another set of four hands, you know, before we finally get a resolution to this whole dome situation. And what made it jump into my mind was, you know, some of the final scenes in the last season of Fringe, another great sci-fi television show where they took a whole season and moved the whole thing in the future, like 30, 40 years into the future. What if a future season of Under the Dome is set like 25 years in the future with that whole new set of four hands, maybe older characters, newer characters? Uh, am I just really thinking way too outside the box and I just need to enjoy what we have right now? Well, there's only been two incidents of four hands touching something regarding the egg. So we do need a third touching and it has to be four different people in order for it to be a pattern. So I say, great theory. Let's go with it. Let's go into the future and then time travel everybody back to the central point. And maybe this is where it all started is back at the meteor and everybody goes back to 88 and we have cool hair and rolled up jeans and stuff. Or the opposite. Maybe 25 years prior to 1988, maybe there was another incident with four hands way back in the day. You are bringing it. You must be filled with knowledge from that conference you went to. Wow. When you sit down and have dinner and breakfast with a lot of other science fiction, TV and movie podcasters, you know, the theories and how this reminds you of this, it, it could go on and on and on. But one thing that I did want to bring up a, a lost comparison of the week. If you haven't seen lost, please go watch it. Amazing stuff. But one thing that happened, especially in the early seasons on lost was some of our characters would find out valuable critical information, but keep it to themselves. And the rest of the people on the island didn't get the benefit of that information. And of course, what I'm thinking is, come on, Julia and Joe and the gang. Tell everybody in Chester's Mill about this cliff portal. Get everybody out of Chester's Mill. They can all just get some ropes. All go down the cliff. They'll all end up in Zenith and be free to roam the earth. And nobody has to be trapped under the dome. But then the show would be over. Not necessarily. It's just a thought. Maybe the dome follows them and then it traps Zenith. <laughs> yeah, if Zenith gets trapped under a dome, then we're going to really have some problems. So I have a question for you. Papa Barbie takes Barbie to work and is explaining what really Acteon Energy is all about in relation to the dome, or at least what Papa Barbie wants little Barbie to think of. And I noticed, did he buy any of those Pauline original artworks to hang in his hallway? I didn't look close enough at those. Were there some Boudreaux originals in the hallways at Acteon Energy? I couldn't tell. There weren't any like actual dome pictures uh, hanging on the walls, but it was some artwork. Could be. You never know. Hey, it would not surprise me because on a familiar television show, there were paintings that were all done by the same people that appeared in a lot of places. So keep our eyes peeled. I need to look even closer next time. The other thing I have to bring up being the fact that I touch a little bit of IT for my day job, but apparently the IT super hacker doesn't actually pay well at Acteon Energy because Hunter's driving a pretty old car that looks a little beat up. <laughs> That's a good catch. Either he wants to be understated and not let you know, the general population around um, Zenith know how well off he is. Maybe he doesn't tell people that's what his job is or Don Barber just does not pay well. I would ask for a raise. And then there's the big question from Hunter. He says, why is your dad interested in the egg? And then, of course, I asked the follow up question in my head. When did the mini dome actually appear? And then I say, did Sam and Don work together and because then I go, well, how the heck did Don find out about the egg in the first place? Was it 
from Sam or was it when he saw the satellite imagery of them uncovering the mini dome in season one? Now, those really are the pivotal serious questions from this episode. Of course, why does Don want the egg? But also, how did he come to know about it? Based on all the quote unquote satellite imagery, I assume that he first found out about it the same time we did last season when the uh, leaves and things were covering up the dome and the Scooby gang found it. But then again, maybe somebody else covered it up. Uh, Those are the big questions, because obviously this egg is very valuable and I have a feeling that some people might die trying to protect the egg in the near future. It's just a guess. I don't look into spoilers, but he has the power hungry look in his eyes when, whenever the egg is uh, even hinted at. And then of course, there's another great line from James. Hey, that can't be everyone that hates you, dad. (laughs) (laughs) Now that was a great line. All of a sudden, James went from not having anything good going on or anything interesting, and now he's got the best lines. Great. And then there's the protesters on the outside. We need to get the word out. I noticed this, and I feel really terrible that we haven't been doing a very good job helping spread the word about the issue in the dome, hashtag dome truth, out there on the Twitterverse. But we got to help Bonnie Clayton. She's the only one that people are actually naming outside of the dome on the picket line. We got to get the word out about Bonnie and just help her out somehow. Hopefully we can, you know, by calling attention to Bonnie's cause and her involvement, maybe we can help keep her safe because otherwise, you know, bad things can happen to those that get noticed. And did you catch that extra at the end of the line? He had a giant sign that said trapped. That must be someone that listens to our show. Hey, we can get our signal in or out of Zenith, in or out of the dome. And so they may be alluding to trapped under the dome. I would not be surprised. I know a lot of people were speculating around the interwebs about the distance from checkpoint one to checkpoint two to dome wall. And so for those of you that don't follow along with the military, it is mentioned that they are 16 clicks from the dome. That is 16 kilometers in military speak from checkpoint one where Barbie comes in and chucks the briefcase and grabs onto the truck. (laughs) And then as they're pulling up to checkpoint two, there's a sign outside of checkpoint two that says two kilometers to go. Like we need mileage markers, letting us let people know that they're close to the dome. Maybe they do because it's see-through, but I just thought that was odd. Only two clicks to go. You're almost there. Um, It was good to know the distances because if you're going to climb underneath a truck, hold onto the axle like they used to do on the A-team, uh, you got to know how far it's really going to be. Can you hang on that long? But now in the book, the dome went up pretty darn high. And I'm wondering how tall is this dome? Did we actually get measurements of the height of the dome in one of those military transmissions from Dodie and Phil at the radio station? Because that chopper at the end of the episode, it seemed to be flying pretty darn low. If you ask me. Yes, it was very, very low. And of course, we know it's a military chopper, but still, that doesn't give them the excuse to fly low. I mean, one would think that it's one of those uh, tourist uh, helicopters like they have in Las Vegas that'll fly over Hoover Dam and all of that and down the strip because those fly really low. But no, this was military. They're taking their lives in their hand because that dome. Of course, we know we saw Barbie's excellent flying. He could skin the side of the dome with the wing of the airplane and not have any severe damage. But a helicopter blade, if that touches the dome, they're going down. Be careful out there, ladies and gentlemen. Now, was anybody else disappointed that the dome didn't actually talk to Julia when she touched it? Maybe an apparition from Linda or Alice or somebody. Or more importantly, when Barbie and Julia both touched the dome together, I was really expecting something magical to happen. I wasn't, and I'm kind of glad nothing did. I know Julia's disappointed. I'm not. How about you, listener? Give us a call, 904-469-7469. Has the dome stopped sending special vibrations when people touch it? Now, as I mentioned on the Instant Reactions episode, the creepy Big Jim stare at the end, it did give me nightmares, but it was funny because as I was sleeping having the nightmare, the only image that came to mind was Jack Nicholson in The Shining. And I think if you freeze frame Big Jim's face and watch it in the dark, it almost looks a little bit like Jack. 
And maybe that's why I was thinking of it. Now that is creepy. And that's something I'm not going to do is freeze frame on scary big Jim face in turn out all the lights in the house. Don't worry. It will be the featured image this week on the website. So you all can see it. I can guarantee it. So again, it's at under the dome radio.com slash 39. Plus when we post it out on uh, Facebook and Twitter and stuff, we'll try to set it so that that's the image that shows up in case you want to bring it full size Turn off all the lights in the house and see if it creeps you out the same way that it did, Troy. Well, let's get into our ratings for this episode. I will yield the floor to you first this week. Okay. I, it, we're a little bit up from last week. I'm going to give this episode seven dry, soapy non-lathers. Right. Because if it's dry, it won't lather. Allegedly. So, but uh, I've, uh, there's a workaround. Well, I'm right in line with you this week, Wayne. I think that we might be equalizing here as we get to the end of the season two. I said seven reverse alley muggings. Ah, and nobody got hurt. No. Maybe a little rough around the edges, scraping up against that brick, but you know. Well, compared to all of the blood splattering that was going on a couple weeks ago on Under the Dome, that's nothing. So it's good. Seven. Seven's pretty good. And we're both on the same page with that one. So I like it. Let's see what happens next week. I I peeked ahead at the episode title. I'm not going to mention it here, but uh, I'm expecting big things. Big things. Mysterious things. Well, let's find out what the listeners thought of Under the Dome Awakening this week by going on location. And earlier in the week, we actually asked the question really actually more of it as a joke. We all know that <laughs> Barbie was writing Don't Jump. But uh, we said, what was Barbie actually trying to tell Julia on the dome wall? And Karen actually over from the Chester's Mill Gazette, the other under the dome podcast that had that great interview with Mackenzie Lentz. Uh, she sent us the following suggestions. She said, uh, don't jello wrestle. <laughs> Good advice. I mean, he may have been concerned that because of, you know, everything that was been going on and the loss of Barbie that she just throw caution to the wind and kind of with him out of the picture temporarily, you know, she could just, you know, go down and start up a new thing in the Maxine's Fight Club. Oh, no, you said it. Oh, I said it. My bad. <laughs> as long as we don't talk about it. Right. Uh, she also suggested maybe don't Joss Whedon binge watch. You know, she's sad. She needs a cup of wine, you know, a glass of wine to sit there and uh, watch some old episodes of uh, Buffy or Firefly. Hmm. I can see that. Okay. Don't job hunt. After seeing how dire the market has become in Zenith over these past three weeks, they've actually been out of contact so long with the outside world. So uh, Julia should just keep her job there at the independent. Now that one I like. Good call on that one, Karen. That's a great one. Well, just some theories, mind you. There are a myriad of possibilities, including those kind of revolving around jerky, Jay-Z, or jaundice. And, you know, if you stand to the dome too long, you may develop jaundice, but uh, we'll wait and see. Thanks, Karen, so much for sending that in. I'm all for that. Uh, we appreciate that. What else was going on in the interwebs that uh, you found? Well, listener Jim actually chimed in. We haven't heard from Jim probably, I think, since the opening or even maybe season one. And uh, Jim said, well, I cannot say that Under the Dome is my favorite show on television. I find that I am still enjoying many things about it. But sometimes I have to wonder if the show isn't being written by high schoolers or at least if the writers may not be taking advice from their kids. Amen to that. The reason I say this is that I would it would seem that the kids seem to be the only ones that have any direction while all of the adults are running around not really knowing what to do next. The drama between the teens is spot on, though, and it's actually somewhat amusing. As far as the Awakenings episode is concerned, the most impressive event was the emergence of Super Barbie. This guy effectively disguised himself with nothing more than a briefcase and a pair of glasses to get through the perimeter gate. And then mild mannered Dale Barbara ditches the case whips off the glasses and a nod to Clark Kent and becomes super Barbie able to grab the bottom of a truck and hang on for nearly 10 miles. Wow. This guy needs a cape and tights. Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> the only thing is he is a bit of a flawed superhero because he didn't see the trip laser as he ran toward the dome. Now in his apparent experienced soldier, possibly special forces, I would think that it would have been routine for Jim to look for traps like that. Oh, well, as with other superheroes, I guess the need to get back to Julia trumped his intense military training. I guess that we are getting a look outside the dome now to see what the general public thinks. That is something I have been wondering about since the Moab explosion. Now Barbie and Julia have found a way out of the dome. 
Just walk to the edge of a cliff that is accessed through a locker at the high school and hurl oneself off. Julia could be a real hero by taking everyone there and getting them out. But then that would end the show, perhaps mercifully. (laughs) Some of what's taking place on Under the Dome is so illogical and absurd that I cannot help but watch. (laughs) It is all fun, though. Thanks so much, Jim. Oh, it's great to hear from you again, Jim. Great points. And Jim's on the same uh, wavelength as me. Come on, tell everybody. Everybody can get out from under the dome and uh, go to Zenith. And I'm sure once you get to Zenith, you can go anywhere and just be free and normal. And of course, as normal as anybody who's freaking out because of the dome. But that's a good point. And it's uh, good to hear from you again, Jim. Thanks for all the stuff. And yet on the rewatch, that's when it really came to mind that why is Barbie just running right through that laser trap? It's looked pretty obvious, at least on my TV screen. Hey, this is Jeff Gentry, X-Force Left. Okay, here's my theory. Barbie didn't want her to jump, and he didn't want her to take the egg because, here's my theory, the egg is both the control and the power generator for the dome. She jumps. The dome loses its power source and control and collapses, killing everybody inside. But then Mr. Barbara would have a great energy source that he could use for his business. Uh, You know, I think he knows, you know, he thinks he knows a way to tap into the energy. I mean, if this thing can generate a huge dome and all the properties Imagine how much he could use it for energy, uh, you know, for his business and, and charge and not have to worry about fossil fuels and all that good stuff and nuclear. So I think that's the reason he wants it. Um, Barbie's dad wants it. So uh, that's my theory and uh, enjoyed the episode. Um, kind of frustrating that uh, Big Jim didn't give him chargers for the radios. I mean, Hey, what happens when the battery runs out? But anyway, thanks, guys. Keep up the good work. Bye. Jeff Gentry, X-Force 11. Thank you so very much for that call. I've been hearing Jeff's voice a lot of different places lately. And what a great catch. (laughs) Jim's just taking out the walkie-talkies, but how long are they going to last? That's a very good point. But again, Jeff is actually trying to make sense of Under the Dome. That's problem number one. But the cool part is what he brought up about maybe the egg being an energy source. So who really needs, say, Duracell batteries or something like that? In fact, that egg with the power that it harnesses, it could recharge my iPad and my iPhone at least 100 times and recharge all those walkie talkies and still glow red and throw pink stars everywhere. And again, that is the most obvious solution. Acteon Energy wants it for the power source concept. And again, that means that we're actually trying to make sense out of this show. So I go back to the, when did Don Barbara find out about the egg and where the heck did the mini dome come from? Exactly. But it's like that old song they used to sing on Lost, you know, put a purple egg with pink stars in lines floating in your pocket and save it for a rainy day under the dome and uh, power the whole thing. Now you're just reaching. Yeah. Lyrics aren't my strong suit. I it, it Trust me in my head. It sounds great. Well, Lucifer is back this week, and now they're adding a hacker onto the show. Of course they would. They should (laughs) give him, Hunter that is, more screen time. He could be a comic relief for this show. Barbie just wants to send the message, don't jump. And yes, of course, it reminds me of the very epic, not Penny's boat. Barbie knew that this is difficult to go near the dome, yet he didn't even bring with him paper and a pen. Really? That's the first thing I said. I was like, you're so smart. And you tossed your paper and pen away in a briefcase. Anyways, anything helpful to write on the dome. This was just really lame, really stupid. Not so smart. Maybe Papa Barbie wants the egg because they've been observing it for days and they are fascinated by it. Like another breakthrough, maybe even bigger than the dome itself. The paintings reminded me of the TV series Heroes. If you're familiar, Isaac in season one is the guy that draws the paintings from his vision subconsciously through his powers. So I'm wondering if Pauline drew those images while she was actually awake or was something else controlling her. That's actually a really good point. Oh, and the last postcard isn't the red door. It's the one that Papa Barbie has that he showed to Barbie with a picture of Captain Obvious on it. 
and oh my dome, when will Phil die? Seriously, he was shot near the chest and did not die. I agree with you guys so much. Julia claiming Barbie is the love of her life. Wow. Just wow. Love of your life takes time. But then again, maybe the dome makes them love more if you're outside of the dome. More power to you, Sir Troy and Sir Wayne. Can't wait until Resurrection Revealed resumes September 28th. Awesome stuff. Oh, so glad you left the uh, post there on our website in the show notes. Great points. And yeah, Phil, it's almost like they don't know whether they really want to bring him back or not. They brought him back a little bit this week, and he seems as strong as ever the way he took that uh, the butt of the rifle and just whacked Big Jim in the head with it. But um, again, like you say, wow, just wow. And like we said on the initial reactions, it's like, come on, why did you turn on Big Jim? What, what made you think that Big Jim threw you under the bus, Phil, that you had to go around and attack big Jim for this. You were in the hospital for two, three days or whatever it was. Hard to keep track of time, but uh, I also like that <laughs> another person calling us Sir Troy and Sir Wayne. Uh, I'm not going to let it go to my head, I promise. But I am also waiting for the return of resurrection. Yes, absolutely. And I really was enjoying Olivia Richards column this week on showratings.tv. She also does the Chester's Mill Report podcast, if you wanted another Dome podcast to take a listen to. And she actually had, I think, probably the funniest hashtag of the week. I know we were coming up with like, you know, no place like Dome and Dome Dome on the range and all of that good stuff. But she came up with the Barbie and Julia scene and said that we should now call it Domeo and Juliet. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) That is one long hashtag. Domeo and Juliet. <laughs> I love it. Hey, props. Definitely props, Olivia. Thank you so much for that. Let's see. I think we got another voicemail on the listener voicemail line or using the SpeakPipe widget at underthedomeradio.com slash feedback. No, from Bowie calling him to Under the Dome Radio for Under the Dome Season 2, Episode 8, Awakening. I note that the intro voiceover now says a few weeks ago. Uh, what is happening outside of the dome is a bit more interesting than inside this week. Uh, there's a military firewall in place that prevents electronic messages to go into and presumably out from the dome. Uh, Barbie's dad tells him he can get a message through the through to the dome, and he does, though he adds a note for Julia to bring the egg with her when she jumps. We see Melanie a bit upset by that uh, little addition there. So, as we might have suspected, Barbie's dad did know he was under the dome, but for some reason he wanted to hide that knowledge, possibly wanting to pull other tricks like trying to get his hands on the egg. Think of the energy possibilities. Hunter May works for Acteon, but he is the man behind Hounds of Diana. Note that on that site, we can see how the graffiti appeared on the Acteon billboard. Hunter recognizes Bill Burby while monitoring cameras around Zenith, and he wants to give him some help. Uh, Barbie's dad and Hunter do help Barbie send another message to try and meet Julia at the edge of the dome. Um... Hunter also helps Barbie break into his father's computer. I have no sig- idea what the significance of Dromus is. That's the word that helped the Hounds of Diana site take over Barbie's dad's workstation. Uh, Dromus is a company that makes clothing. Uh, Barbie sneaks to the dome wall. It's about 16 kilometers from the checkpoint. At the end of the episode, Barbie warns Julia that it's not safe out here and tells her not to jump. He's then captured by the military. Big Jim witnesses the meeting, and both events here should have big ramifications next episode. Meanwhile, Pauline and Sam get a drug that makes Lyle a bit more lucid than he was before. Sam still has the shakes. Will there be more symptoms to being outside the dome? Lyle had brought with him the postcards that Pauline had sent, and Pauline reveals there's a final one of the Red Door. As we suspected, this is important and possibly is a way back under the dome. I would be not be surprised that once Pauline is under the dome and Barbie's back under the dome, that cliff portal might go away. We'll see what happens next time under the dome. Neil, thanks so much for calling plus one nine oh four four six nine seven four six nine. And of course using the speak pipe widget at under the dome radio.com slash feedback with that giant red record button. And I think that's a really great interesting point. If all of these people end up going back to Chester's Mill, will the dome make the portal out disappear? What do you think of that, Wayne? I could see them going that route. 
which further emphasizes what me and son of Lucifer on the website said, come on, tell everybody in town, give them a chance to escape before it's too late and they're trapped again. They can all go to Zenith, man. Look at that nice playground. I ride the swings, play on the seesaw. Uh, of course, eventually the little kids will want to use it. But uh, yeah, if they all end up back under the dome, the portal may disappear and it'll be as if nothing ever happened. Well, since they all blindly follow Julia or blindly follow Jim, depending on which flavor of the week it is, maybe they'll just go down to the tunnels and go left and end up going right and end up going left and end up going right and just keep <laughs> walking in a circle and never get to the cliff. And even uh, even our good, trusted buddy, Andrea Grinnell, is also blindly following Jim. At least it appears that way. Well, we got some more feedback coming in. Kendra, and we apologize for missing your email last week, but she wrote in, and I think she has a really great point. Does anyone else find it interesting that Pauline, and all the times that we've seen her now, only talks about saving her son? What about her husband? Seems that she loves Junior and has zero love for Big Jim. Any thoughts on that, Wayne? That is a great catch, Kendra. It all is so weird that it's so focused on the son. And perhaps there's more to the uh, separation of Big Jim and his wife, Pauline, than just the fact that he tried to take her to the asylum. Maybe that reason alone is why she only cares about Junior. I, I don't know. I think that's a little bit of a plot hole there. And Kendra, good catch. Well, Chris wrote in on the Facebook page and said, obviously Julia would jump if she could be with Barbie and escape the dome. But with all the cameras in the playground, her fate would be sealed pretty quickly by Acteon Energy and company, Mr. Hunter. Or maybe she would actually awake somewhere different, maybe in the middle of the street, kind of like in the notebook and make Nori proud. Dome love. Hashtag dome love. Oh, boy. I like the tie into the notebook. That's pretty funny. <laughs> that that was pretty funny. I, I, it's just not my kind of film, but it. I think everybody goes straight to the playground. Yeah, I think if you go with the, it's a homage to Lost, which it's not an homage because it's just a complete ripoff. But it always went to the same place, so I say it always goes to the playground. Plus, the sand in the playground is softer than the middle of the street. But I I do appreciate the uh, thoughts, Chris, and good way to make Nori happy. And Mike on Facebook wanted to point out that the Zenith sun does wonders for cuts and burns. Barbies <laughs> are actually almost completely gone. It's amazing. And it's only been a day or two. That is a good point. Maybe Zenith, there is something magical about the town of Zenith. Well, the one thing I have to point out is that Colin Ford, he's got to watch out because Twitter is all a flutter. Uh, get it? Oh, little butterfly thing. It goes back to those Dromas birds you know oh the dromos birds not the butterflies there's lots of winged creatures being referenced on under the dome what does that mean but yeah so many people are talking about hunter all of a sudden are the colonites going to be upset or are they going to switch alliances and become the hunterites uh okay <laughs> we'll have to wait and see but yeah hunter seems to get a pretty good following for first episode in so good job for him and we'll see what happens you know how it is when you're the new kid in school well, there wasn't a lot of people that were big on Melanie when she was the new kid in school. Well, that's different. I mean, they tried to kill her. I forgot she was even on the show. Fortunately, <laughs> come on. How much longer is Melanie going to be alive for the second time? And the science teacher, Rebecca Pine. Boy, that one's almost unanimous. People are ready for the science teacher to go. And I don't remember who put this one out on Twitter, but did you notice that a few eps back that when they got the email from Joe's dad, uh, Joe's dad said, you're the man of the house and take care of your sister. And literally it just dawned on him that Joe no longer has a house or a sister. Oops. <laughs> That's a very good observation. Uh, Joe, I guess he just has to take care of, of Nori now and the memory of his sister. Well, because we missed Kendra's email last week and I feel really bad. We're going to give Kendra the honorary under the dome radio DJ of the week, calling out the fact that Pauline of course talks nothing about big Jim, which of course means that I'm sure that a future episode yet this season, we'll see the two of them potentially reunite. We'll have to wait and see if that happens, but Kendra, congratulations, honorary under the dome radio DJ of the week. And again, remember if you want to be the honorary under the dome radio DJ of the week, send in a great theory via Facebook, Google plus Twitter at UTD radio podcast, 
drop an email, feedback, comment on the website. It's all fun and games because we love communicating with all of you, the domies. Yes, we do. We, we appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen to under the dome radio, to interact with us on Twitter, Facebook and all that. It, it's humbling and we love it. Now in the investigative report section of the uh, podcast, do we have anything that ties into the novel under the dome by Stephen King in any way or anything spoilery you want to share this week? I couldn't find anything novel related this week. So probably the novel tie-ins are coming to an end. How However, we do have, however, we do have the log line for next week's episode. So if you don't want to hear it, tune us down for about 30 seconds in three, two, one. But don't leave all together. Just skip ahead a little bit. Just skip ahead. 30 seconds. Push that little button on your podcast app. Next week, the episode is titled The Red Door. Barbie is apprehended by a group of mysterious men on Under the Dome, August 25th. When Barbie is apprehended by a group of mysterious men, he is relentlessly interrogated about his connection to the dome. Meanwhile, Big Jim makes a deal that could seal the fate of the residents of Chester's Mill forever. Now, all of those sound like great things, but I don't see what that has to do with the title of the Red Door, because I have a feeling that has more to do with Barbie's mom. And at the same time, the, the way they use the phrase relentlessly interrogated I will be the judge of whether it's relentless or not after watching eight or nine seasons of 24. Right. Exactly. 25 minutes of Barbie getting punched in the gut and 25 minutes of big Jim going, it's all about me. It's all about me. Yeah. Relentless interrogation is what they do on 24, but that's another network. And we wait patiently for word on whether there'll be another season of Jack Bauer power. Well, in the request and dedication this week, did we get any new comments there, Wayne? Well, we did get a great email from Barry. He said, gotta say, best Under the Dome podcast. Good job, guys. Stopped listening to the other podcasts. You guys keep it mostly positive, and that is appreciated. You're funny, creative, and very entertaining. My first thought was, wow, Barry sent the email to the wrong Under the Dome podcast. But seriously, Barry, we thank you so much for the kind words. And yeah, there's a different taste and flavor for every type of Under the Dome fan. and we just, we have to keep it fun. Even if the show's really silly or even when it's serious, we try to make the podcast fun. So thank you so much, Barry. Yes. Cause we appreciate all of you guys that listen and subscribe to the show again, under the dome radio.com slash 39 is where you can get all the details for this episode, including my crazy Dromos bird theory. And then of course your job and mission as always is to rate and review in iTunes. That's under the dome radio.com slash iTunes. Leave a five-star review. Let all of the other fans of the podcast know which fan feedbacks you like the best. Or if you just want to rip Wayne because he rips on the show so much, you can do that as well. (laughs) Please don't rip us. Thank the other fans. In fact, if you're listening to the uh, podcast right now, which I assume you are, but if you're listening on the iOS app device, you can even leave your iTunes review right there within the app without even leaving. And of course, we still have t-shirts and mugs for sale. So make sure you head on over to underthedomeradio.com slash goods, and you can show your support for the podcast that way as well. But most importantly, like we mentioned earlier, the propane donations are what make this podcast possible. So of course, you can do a $5, $10, $25 donation, or if you just want to send us a giant check, you know, those giant checks always look cool when you take a picture of them. We'll take that too. So go ahead and support the podcast there on the right-hand side. And of course, connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Google Plus, LinkedIn. Share with all your friends that you love Under the Dome and Under the Dome Radio. Get the word out there because we have to save our good friends here in Chester's Mill and let them know to jump. Jump now. Before it disappears forever. They need to do it right now. Thanks so much for taking the time listening to us again on Under the Dome Radio. Please share your thoughts and theories for the next episode of the podcast. Just visit underthedomeradio.com slash feedback for all the details. And until that next episode, I'm at Wayne Henderson. And I'm at Troy Heinrichs, always keeping a watch out for low-flying choppers as we stay trapped under the dome. Under the Dome Radio.
Under the Dome Radio is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Get more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Get organized in your personal and professional life. Laugh with our clean comedy. Theorize over great television shows and so much more. All waiting for you at noodle.mx.